0: Warning, the following contains audio of two good friends attempting to discuss music with no qualifications whatsoever. No one asked for this, but you're going to get it. There will be shitty hot takes, terrible opinions, and impressions done poorly. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Hello friends, back again at the Brood Book here in Davenport, Iowa. It is time for another edition of Music maria and also drake whoop de whoop we are here live ready to invade your ear holes ready to give you more opinions that you definitely didn't ask for but you know what it's fine because why we are dressed like dapper civilians today we did not like coordinate this we did not text and be like fancy time fancy time no incorrect i walked in and this man because this is an audio only podcast so i will try to (laughs) illustrate what was going on here Yes. So we have Drake here who is wearing like a very nice fitted like charcoal gray polo, some nice pants. You know, he's just out here looking like a professional, looking like he's ready to go work at fucking Microsoft. (laughs) And I love that for him. If you want to elaborate on maybe what I'm wearing, that'd be great.
0: All right. Well, this is going to be a lot worse. You use the term charcoal gray. And all I'm seeing is, is it a peach? Is that what I'm looking at here? Is that
1: it's like a yeah like a peachy like a dark salmon maybe
0: salmon's a good one too okay yeah well at least i got peach i feel like that's a credit to me it's like it has flowers it's a nice it's a dress it's a nice dress it has flowers it's a peach color dark salmon uh the flowers are pink and white it's a nice floral design
1: Yes, because my mother is also in town as of this recording and she showed up wearing like a full floral fit and we went out to have a nice little lunch. And so I said, well, damn, I have to wear floral now, too, I guess. But to correct you just gently, this is a romper, not a dress. So there is like shorts on the bottom. So I'm just sitting here like man spreading. But don't worry, no goods are being shown. It's fine.
0: Gotcha. I appreciate the correction. I'm, I'm trying to understand it more because, I mean, for 27 years, I haven't given a shit about fashion at all, and that was actually part of the reason why I'm doing these things now because, I don't know, I just wear a lot of, well, I did wear a lot of band shirts and gym shorts, and I was like, you know what? I just, I feel like shit, <laughs> and it's like, and it's weird because as soon as I started wearing this stuff, my confidence is just soared, and it's great. I love it.
1: Absolutely, and you look great, so... Top tier stuff here going on, folks. Yeah. For today, we will be chatting about some fun albums coming to your ear holes today. For this week, I wanted to go ahead and throw it back to the year that we were born, a nice little throwback episode, because we did touch on recently an older album when Drake spoke about the miseducation of Lauryn Hill, but I thought this would be fun to revisit back to our first episode uh the theme of today is albums that were released in the year that we were born so i was born in 1995 i'm just gonna go turn to dust uh so i decided to give drake me against the world by our lovely friend tupac edit me against the world by tupac our lovely friend also friend of bruno mars (laughs) yes uh drake however is a fetus was born in 1996 what do you have for this week
0: so this week um are we diving into it right now like no okay then i'll save the preamble uh the one i gave to you edit <laughs> the one i gave to you this week uh from the year i was born was 1996 um so you are my senior <laughs> but the one i gave you is from iced earth uh, the dark saga which is uh, is a band I've been wanting to give you for a minute, so it's going to be fun to talk about it.
1: Absolutely, and I know you had mentioned in a previous episode that there is some controversy, some shenanigans that happened with this band, so instead of saving it for the preamble, we're going to make you listen to the whole episode, and then we'll find out what that is. So I will, yeah, yeah, I will give my thoughts on this album, because also I don't want it to like color my analysis on this album, because I also don't know yeah 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 i don't know anything that happened i know we had asked people don't google it find out with us so i also did the good deed of not googling it despite my fierce curiosity so i will give my analysis then you can tell me and then i will probably be object hor- just horrified so for right now friends we'll be doing a quick little mini game because sometimes you are thrust into greatness And other times you have greatness thrust upon you. So a couple weeks ago, for those who have listened, we did a fun little bonus episode with our friend Renato, formerly known as the artist Ray Sanchez. And yes, and as our resident, you know, wrestling friend, even though we try to keep those things, you know, separated to a healthy degree, we, we thought it'd be fun to just chat about some WWE themes. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go ahead and check it out. He's a good time. But also with... Renato being just a friend of the pod, he has listened to every single episode, so shout out to Renato. Yeah. He wanted to get your thoughts, because we did mention Alter Bridge there as like an honorable mention. Okay. I'm sure maybe that gets your go it, that it wasn't in a category, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Grab yourself a snack, a beverage, and we'll chat with Drake about that while he was touching grass, yeah. and we'll be right back. It is a mini-game time. We will be discussing with Drake, just quickly, his own thoughts on the WWE Themes episode we had with our friend Renato. So in case you didn't listen to that episode, go ahead and do that. Because we listed all of our picks there in the show notes. And if I told you those right now, you wouldn't have any reason to go listen to it. So, do that. (laughs) but for right now we did break these up into categories from the 80s the 90s the 2000s the 2010s a pay-per-view theme and then also just a wild card so that could be any wwe musical adjacent type memory so for example i will give you these just as a little tidbit i had picked the time three six mafia just randomly showed up on smackdown for no reason no like advertisement to my recollection just singing mark henry's theme and i said yeah this is, this is my kind of stuff. And without my influence or bias, Renato had actually picked the time that MGK got powerbombed by Kevin Owens. To this day, S-tier memory. It's just, it is fantastic. So yeah, give us your thoughts as Renato, friend of the pod, so kindly requested.
0: So while we're talking about wild cards, I'm just going to start there because... Um the fact that he picked the mgk one was actually also my first thought because that i mean that's just a ridiculous moment in wrestling history it just is i just didn't expect it i did not expect mgk to get just (laughs) straight up power bombed by kevin owens just for no reason like it was so funny i still laugh about it just thinking about it now but since he picked that one i won't rehash it but i I did want to credit that one because it was just that great um I don't remember exactly when this one happened, but Fozzie played live on a Monday Night Raw at the end of one of their episodes, I think. I don't know why he did it, why it happened, but I always thought it was like the coolest thing that he did do that. Like, I just thought it was really cool that he is a wrestler and that he was just also a rock star for a night for absolutely no reason. Uh, But I want to say it was 05. It was right before he left. I do know that because I remember his hair being in that weird in-between phase, if you remember. I also wanted to say, just as like another quick shout out, the WrestleMania that Motorhead played Triple H out, that was my first experience with entrance themes being played live for um, a superstar when they were coming out. Uh, And it was great. Like, I remember being blown away by it. I want to say it was X7, but I can't remember. But either way, it was just, it was a really cool moment because I mean, Triple H is just badass and then having Motorhead play out, I mean, just badass squared.
1: Well, congrats, you are correct. It was WrestleMania X7 where Motorhead played the game as he walked to the ring, full badass in toe And at the end of the day, if you were to describe Triple H to somebody who isn't a wrestling fan, like what his gimmick is, quote-unquote, like what is his character, I would just say he's just a badass. Like at his core, he just really likes to be cool. Whether he's a heel or a face, he's just like, I'm cool and I'm jacked. And I also like Motorhead, <laughs> and that's it. That's that's what you missed, Ungly.
0: <laughs> Pretty much, that that's what makes him so cool. I mean, he's just so badass at, at everything he does. So there's so many people that like have mentioned him doing the Kratos part, which is just the supreme level of being badass. Because Kratos is badass. I don't know how familiar you are with God of War, but that is one of the most badass characters in video games. But either way, you know what? I'll just keep going backwards you gave it to me because that's how i'm gonna do it (laughs) the pay-per-view theme one was hard for me and you said i could do uh like any video package or anything like that which made it a lot easier for me because for some reason i don't remember pay-per-view themes that well i don't know why the only one i honestly remember off the top of my head is when fozzy had a a theme song it was martyr no more for some june pay-per-view i think
1: so what you're telling me is that fozzy just occupies just like a random space in your mind just all of the time just like any random memory fozzy definitely fozzy
0: <laughs> it would appear so we're learning a lot about me today but yeah the fact that i was able to do um video packages helped out a lot uh, because there were two in specific that came up the one i will choose because it just makes me laugh, is a Creed's My Sacrifice that was used a lot in the early 2000s. It was great. I mean, those guys ha- still have a great relationship with WWE, Alter Bridge, all that good stuff. So, But I also want to mention, I guess with uh, Motorhead bringing out Triple H, this can just go in my honorable mention too, uh, John Cena and Bray Wyatt's video package for uh, WrestleMania 30. It was in the Eminem song with Skylar Grey, I think, and... I just remember really enjoying that promo package because it added, it was just a different type of video package, I feel like, and the song helped that out a lot, in my opinion, so that's that's a pretty uh, large memory.
1: Let the record show, just because I want to know, based on your track record, did you enjoy that, mainly based on like the storytelling of the wrestling angle, or are you going on record saying that you actually enjoyed something that Eminem did, asking for everyone?
0: So, yes and no. Uh, because the video package story was great. But I like the song because of Skylar Grey. <laughs> I don't like the song because of Eminem. Skylar Grey is why I like
1: the song so much. All right. Just so we people be like, oh, yeah, so you do like Eminem. No, I'm just setting the record straight because I know we've talked at length at Nauseam about how he's not really your cup of tea. And that's fine because I can understand why. And I understand, you know, that he's not everyone's cup of tea. So just, you know, clearing that up. Cause I was like, that's interesting, but you know, that's also hilarious. You're like, no, no, not him at all. He just happened to be there, but everything else was great. He's just there.
0: Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And I give him credit cause he's the white guy who writes the song. Skylar Gray is just on it. So I give him credit, but I just, eh, it's, it's, it's Skylar for sure. But, um, going, continuing to go backwards 2010s theme song that I liked the most, which by the way, I'm not going to kill Renato for, uh, omitting Alter Bridge because that gives me the reason to bring up Alter Bridge Metalingus um, which that one was a hard one to uh, place because I mean he's been using it for three decades at this point so the only reason I put it in this one uh, is because of the one I picked for the 2000s which I'll just say it now is which by the way this is the one that actually surprised me the most that none of you guys said was a slow chemical by Kane from uh, (coughs) excuse me by finger 11 that song is my favorite theme song ever written. I just love it. It fits his character so well. Just the mood of it. I just love it. Kane was such a compelling character. I mean, he was already a compelling character, but he became even more compelling because of that theme song. That is a very good example of just a top-notch theme song, in my opinion.
1: Oh, I agree. Absolutely. I think that theme song is definitely top tier. And funnily enough, the thing that I most resonate with that theme song is like baby daddy era Kane when you know that that really weird moment in time when he was Lita's baby daddy but she only did it to save Matt Hardy and then Snitsky took her baby and punt kicked it into the crowd (laughs) objectively not funny but you had to be there in in context it was a moment in time
0: I mean it's just funny because of how absurd it is there are a lot of of moments in the early 2000s like that too, that people have forgotten about. I'm not gonna say them live with a mic in my hand, but there are a lot of them. (sighs) What a time, that was a time. But yeah, I do love Slow Chemical uh, for Kane. And these were probably the two hardest ones for me were the 80s and 90s, because I didn't really watch, my first ever show was WrestleMania X7, which was 2001. But I can say the 90s was uh, DX's theme song, Are You Ready? I love that track. There's something about the drums that I really enjoy so much about it and just the the graphic on top of it all like it's just it's a there's an atmosphere that they cultivated with it that I thought they did such a good job on.
1: Oh, definitely. And I know exactly what you're talking about when you say it like immediately from the like, are you ready? And then you hear the duh, duh. You know, you know what's going on. There are naked ladies on the screen or implied naked ladies on the screen. There are neon sticks, and then you hear the break it down, and then the full riff goes into it. Yeah, yeah. You want to give that to the people? (laughs) Fantastic. Absolutely. So, yeah, great choice. Uh, I think that definitely well correlates with my choice, because Renato was just aghast that I very explicitly indicated that my time was my favorite Triple H theme, which I still stand by. So I think those two lining up together, they had, like, the same vibe. Would that be wrong to say?
0: I, I'd i say so, uh, considering the vocals especially, because I think, like, the music is different. It's more... Uh, this is going to sound like I'm insulting it, but I'm not. It's It sounds a little more whiny in my time, but that works for that song. Like, there's a, a place for that type of thing, and, you know, like, it's more unresolved sounding so yeah I would agree with that though moving on to my final one here uh the 80s which was absolutely the hardest because I was 10 to 15 years unborn at this point depending on where it's at in the 80s uh the Mets had won their last world series (laughs) Uh, but I did settle I actually had to decide between two because Hulk Hogan's theme song is insanely memorable I mean Hulk Hogan is what he is. So um that was half the reason I didn't pick it, but it is a very memorable theme song and it's one of one of if not the most iconic theme song ever. So I I'm going to give that one a little honorable mention too but um I gave it to Macho Man's theme song because I mean it's just it's such a good theme song. And again, it's one of those ones that just you know who it is and that's I mean, we know it. It's so important for a professional wrestler to have a, th- a song that is as soon as you hear it that's the guy coming out. You know who's coming out. You don't want generic jock jams 47, you know. So, yeah. Speaking of, actually another honorable mention, uh Break the Walls Down from Chris Jericho is a very good theme song. Um so that one will be my actual only honorable mention that I wrote down in that slot. So, yeah, that's another good theme song. That's another one that gets you like right in the mood for it.
1: Definitely. And then just before you continue, I wanted to acknowledge all three of those points. First off, Hashtag fuck you, Terry. (laughs) Just making that note real quick. Yeah, a brother. (laughs) Fuck off, Terry. (laughs) Thank you for your time. Uh, Additionally, though, in the most like tell me you're a wrestling fan without telling me you're a wrestling fan moment, when I graduated high school, they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to come out to Pomp and Circumstance. And the way I was like, oh, my God, we are coming out to Macho Man's theme without knowing this is actually something that people just do in like, the zeitgeist of us as a society, like you just come out to pomp and circumstance, I guess, for like important, fancy things. And at that time, I just, no thoughts, only Macho Man. And so the fact that I knew that song because of Macho Man versus just knowing it as a general public use theme, (laughs) I think that speaks volumes to my upbringing. And then additionally, with Break the Walls Down, if I can find it, I'll have to send it to you, but there's an interview where Chris Jericho was doing And he admits that, like, throughout his entire career, and I think this interview was, like, I want to say 2013, well over, like, 10 years ago at least, where he, like, admits that he doesn't really know the words to that song, which is hilarious. So they ask him to, like, try and really be, like, recite it for us. Like, I'm sure, like, you've heard this song a million times at this point. Like, this has been your song. And so it's just very much, like, him being, like, uh, d- and your priest d- d- but j- d- Jericho and I'm like yes because that is also how I sing it <laughs> so fantastic
0: it's actually funny you bring up that song because I think he talked about that in his book as well but the fact that you brought up like the Judas Priest part of it made me laugh because it's actually one thing that I love about that song because it's just so silly inherently they just like put a bunch of heavy metal names into it I don't know if people are familiar with this track but Creed did a song for the Florida Monolith <laughs> the florida marlins who are a, a baseball team it is the funniest thing because at a certain point in like the second verse he is just listing off baseball terms with no rhyme or reason and it's so fucking funny to me
1: i love that that's the kind of energy that i want to bring to all of my songs just nonsense well thanks for that bud i'm sure renato will be satiated with this knowledge and especially you know you're not striking god's vengeance down upon him for not including Alter bridge in any of his picks so yeah good times we are back again and for full transparency because we like to be transparent with our listeners our friends our fans our foes that when we had first attempted to record this preamble of (laughs) the episode i usually just go by the seat of my pants we don't really have anything like in terms of monologues written out we just go vibes only so i was like cool the year is 1995 and then i thought i should follow it up with something and then nothing happened (laughs) just tv static so 1995 take two lots of things happened apparently the galileo spacecraft arrived at jupiter that's cool yeah it's very cool michael jordan returned to the nba yeah he did in 1995 yep yep and then, you know, we had some Syria peace talks. We had Nigeria expelled from the Commonwealth. There's an earthquake in Japan. Lots of things happened in 1995, including my birth. I was here. I came into the world in April of 1995. And you know what also came out in 1995? Me Against the World by Tupac. Drake will be talking about it. A little throwback to our first episode. See if it feels any kind of different way about it. What are your thoughts?
0: So before I get into it, I'm very proud of this pun that I came up with because I write like little things for myself and I wrote the second epoch, E-P-A-C. If anybody knows what the term epoch means, it's just a moment in time. I was very proud of it. Damn.
1: You out here with your educated yeah. analogies and metaphors and I'm just learning what an epoch is for the first time today. God bless you. You're, you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs>
0: All those sci-fi books are paying off now, but <laughs> I did, uh, we've discussed it at length, how much we both like a good intro. I thought the intro was very good on this album, which is titled intro, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it set the tone for it. And, um, oh gosh, no, I can't remember it, but it was, um, he was hospitalized for something is what the intro was saying. So what's, what's like the backstory on that? Cause I know for, Uh, The one you gave me, I can't remember the name of. On the first episode, he had dealt with um, people trying to kill him and all that stuff. And that's why he was uh, exceptionally angry on the album. So I wasn't sure if this was also kind of like that or what was going on.
1: Uh, He did get shot, though. And that was kind of what turned his beef into Biggie Smalls into something much more tragic and terrible. So I'm going to assume that, you know, this is playing into that. Because this album was released But he was shot multiple times in that I think he even lost like $10,000 of jewelry. It was a whole thing. Like it it, it seemed very much self-meditated, not self-meditated. It seemed very much like premeditated. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it seemed like a setup very much so that, you know, they would know he would be there at that certain time and place. He would have all that stuff on him. And the people that robbed him weren't any, like, relation to him. It wasn't any people that he knew. So it was very much like, what's the real tea here? So, you know, I I did like that you were going to go back into this album because you're kind of working backwards in the discography to where he was really hardened and angry. And I think that came across (laughs) a lot in in All Eyes on Me. So this one, he's still a little bit more introspective. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that, if anything... You got to see the humanity of him versus, like, the bravado and, like, the gangsterness that really held the tone in All Eyes on Me, for sure.
0: Yeah, I was actually, I was curious about that because I I feel like this album for me was, like, a 50-50 split. Because I feel like it was, like, uh, there were some songs, like, If I Die Tonight was a good example. Or um, what were some of the other ones, Death Around the Corner, It Ain't Easy, and uh, Fuck the World. Or, like, some of the songs that I noticed that he still seemed angry about and that's why I was curious about what the intro meant because it that's this is the part I feel like I struggle a lot with Tupac with personally is songs like that because he's just he's very abrasive in those songs in my opinion it's very you know for the reason it's actually part of the reason I'm not a huge fan of Eminem to bring that back to he's he's very abrasive about how he talks and how he thinks about things and his voice is different than i feel like most rappers are and it's just it's so hard for me to get into him because of that but i i am thankful that it wasn't the the whole album this time around because i feel like all eyes on me was uh like you said it was very aggressive i mean he was in the thick of all that biggie small stuff which we've talked about in the past before but yeah, because like on the other side of it, uh, the title track, uh, Me Against the World, which by the way, I love the title track on All Eyes on Me, so his title tracks are always very good. Um, but I loved Me Against the World. I thought that was very good. And like you said, it was like this song, So Many Tears, uh, Temptations, Dear Mama, which you had shown me after we did the first episode, actually, to show him his uh, softer edge side, are all very, they're like very mellow, and they're very, as you said, introspective, and he's not... I don't even know how to put it. Like, I wanted to say he was not like he was trying too hard, but I don't think he's trying too hard at all. I think that's just who Tupac was. But it's just it's very. It was very nice to hear that other side of the spectrum where he was uh, much softer and like it was it was easier. I feel like to read between the lines of his lyrics because that's the other aspect of it too. Which with the lyrics on some of the aggressive songs, just feel like he's being aggressive and he's being a lot at the end of the day and like these ones like there's at least like levels and lines to it that you can read into especially on Dear Mama that is probably my favorite track unquestionably on this album because when he showed it to me I liked it a while back and then when I listened to it again it was like oh cool I know this track but then I was like oh this track is also really good so
1: definitely definitely and I did want to bring up this point too because of course like You can take things on Wikipedia as a grain of salt for what they are. But I felt like this was a really important distinction to make. So it's not only just like us that really can see that distinction between Me Against the World Tupac and All Eyes on Me Tupac because I was interested in looking this up. On Wikipedia, Me Against the World for the genre is labeled as hip-hop and conscious rap. And you know who else fell under the conscious rap category? Lupe Fiasco. And so I was like... How can I describe conscious hip hop? Because I know what that is, but you might not. So I went further into Wikipedia, and basically, conscious hip hop is like a subgenre of hip hop that challenges the dominant cultural, social, political, philosophical, and like economical consensuses of society. Like hip hop that makes you think, hip hop that's very intellectual and has things to say, much like Lupe Fiasco and Lasers. And then also, keeping that in mind, the contrast for all eyes on me according to wikipedia is labeled as hip-hop and gangster rap and so there is a very definite distinction not only in just the tone and the theme and the way it comes across but like also just in genre because gangster rap i'm sure you can figure it out what that is but it's also initially called like reality rap is a subgenre of hip-hop known for conveying the culture's values struggles of urban gangs and street hustlers so you know those are like your nwas your Snoop Dogs, your Ice Cubes, so on and so forth. So the fact that the difference in tone between All Eyes on Me and Me Against the World is like very much evident, for sure.
0: So how many albums... I, th- I don't think he had any more after All Eyes on Me, if that's correct. I could be wrong. And how many did he have before?
1: So actually, Tupac, funnily enough, if my recollection is correct, I will go ahead and, you know double check my sources but he actually had to my recollection more posthumous albums than actual albums he put out when he was alive yeah because he had so much stuff recorded before he died because he was still fairly young when he died yeah. like he died in 1996 so he was only like 25 okay, yeah. 26 and so yeah exactly yeah he was 25 exactly so like we're older now than he was when he died which is crazy so you can imagine being like a showman being somebody who's very passionate about his craft that he had so much stuff in the back catalog that was yet to be released so yeah lots of things in the discography goodness so in terms of studio albums I'll go ahead and count we have Tupacalypse Now which is his debut album strictly for my I can't say that word (laughs) you can look it up me against the world and all eyes on me that's only four albums when he was alive but for the posthumous albums he has one two three four five six seven posthumous albums my favorite of his posthumous albums is the Dawn culminati the seven day theory yeah. mm-hmm. it's because there is a i don't know if this is confirmed i might sound ignorant but there's like a cultural mythology that he only wrote that album in seven days and recorded it so it was like a very much like in out yeah. and it has my probably my favorite tupac song on it which is called hail mary great song so if that answers your question he'd be doing a lot even more so when he passed on
0: no that does answer it. i actually didn't know he had so many uh albums after his death because i just kind of figured after he died you just didn't have anything else out but so it it was all eyes on me it was the last one living okay yeah so that makes more sense then okay but yeah um Either way, yeah, I did enjoy this one more than I did "All Eyes on Me" for sure, and I'm kind of curious now to keep going backwards into his discography and kind of see how it like becomes more conscious rap, as you said. It's one of those things where like I, I heard so much about Tupac and like just how he was as a lyricist and stuff, and like hearing this now. Is you know it's better. I thought there were a lot of more credible, well, not credible, a lot more. i You said this word a million times. I was trying to avoid it, but a lot more introspective songs and like thoughtful songs. There we go. Thoughtful is a better word. So yeah, I, I did enjoy this one more. Like I said, Mama said was probably my favorite song on it. Yeah, it was a good time.
1: Yeah, definitely. Dear Mama is such a good song, and I think that the hook of that song really resonates too because it's just like a gentle like later don't you know and that's so important because one of the big common themes that i feel like we run into whenever we're discussing hip-hop is just the rampant misogyny all of the time and me as being like a female consumer of hip-hop having to like look away or you know be like it's fine when really it's kind of not and so the fact that there are these songs that really praise women and celebrate them especially just back in this day I think is really important and my personal favorite from this album was so many tears because it definitely lends way to being okay with like men showing their emotions because I feel like that doesn't get talked about enough to like the fact that this man who's like a hardened quote-unquote like thug and quote-unquote you know man of the streets ta- having a song or just about like crying about his fallen friends and things it's it's powerful Hello, just popping in real quick to give a quick little disclaimer for the following segment. As it is with live recording, you know, anything and everything can happen. Murphy's Law, if it can happen, it will happen. So, unfortunately, during the original recording of this segment, uh, my lovely microphone was muted. So I will be Frankensteining our conversation post-edit. In case it sounds a little funky, apologies, we just wanted to go ahead and get this content out for you guys this week. Enjoy regardless, we had ourselves a silly goofy time as always, just wanted to pop that in there in case anything sounds off. Appreciate you, love ya, and we'll see you now, right about now. Okay, bye.
0: Alright, so now we're on to the year I was born, which was the year after, uh, 1995, 1996, which, uh, since Maria looked up some cultural events and moments in her year i decided i'd try to since we had a a space space mission for jupiter united states sts 72 space shuttle mission launched in january of 96 which the goal of the mission was to retrieve the japanese space flyer unit satellite first i don't feel like reading the whole thing so (laughs) it happened though i just wanted to do space Uh, Major League Soccer had their first season, which is actually a really neat fact. I did not know that at all because the MLS is a fun uh, league. It's definitely got a lot better as the years have progressed. And in case anybody still cares about Britain, I don't (laughs) because I'm American and we threw tea into the sea, so I would never have to hear about Britain again. But Prince Charles and Diana divorced in 1996. This one, Jesus Christ, this is what kills me. This one has the most info underneath it that I've seen. Why do people care about Britain so much? I don't understand. Average cost of a new house was $118,000. Monthly rent was $554. Cost of a gallon of gas was 1.22 cents. Which all of this is going steadily up because you just told me years from your year. The minimum wage was $5.15. That's what it was raised to. Incredibly unfun fact about the exact day that I was born which I'll just bring it up because it was lessened because we talked about one of our friends being born on 9-11, the exact day of that. But Owen Hart, literally the day of, died in the wrestling ring for uh, the, the accident. What is that thing called?
1: It's a carabiner, a carabiner malfunction. And he fell very far into the ring and unfortunately died. That's a not a great icebreaker at a party
0: yeah it's definitely not an icebreaker for any party or any conversation
1: but hey also fun fact in 1996 we had the debut of tickle me elmo so that's fun we love that
0: yeah that's a much better one to end it off of um but yeah we're talking about album that came out in 1996 uh it was the fourth studio album from iced earth which is a really phenomenal band Uh, called The Dark Saga. It is a concept album based on the Todd McFarlane uh, comic book called Spawn, which I'm sure everybody's pretty much familiar with that character. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it, because this is a band I've been wanting to get into for a minute, because, I mean, they've had like three different singers, so it was kind of hard to pick which one from which singer, so it was kind of nice that we just did the year, so I just could hand off this one to you and get your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think with the nature of the beast of this podcast, it's like Christmas morning every week because I never know what I'm going to get into. I never know exactly what you are going to give to me. Obviously, I have a general idea, but I think that above all else, having no expectation and not knowing what exactly I'm delving into has been one of the funnest parts. And this part, especially with Iced Earth, I think was no different. I definitely had a good time unpacking all of this. And also trying to find some similarities and things that I've heard before. Because while I have never listened to or heard of Iced Earth Day in my life, I think it's really funny that in just the grand scheme of all the rock and stuff that I've listened to, not only from this podcast, but just over the course of my life and being able to find those similarities and things that are previously unknown, I think is really fun. It's like a treasure hunt. (laughs) So the thing that before I even get into the album as a whole, that I just had the hardest time getting, I think, would be just the guitars. Like, not that I dislike them, or not that I wasn't vibing with them, because I definitely were, but I just think that I had the hardest time describing them. I could not find the proper word to describe how I have heard these guitars before, and I didn't want to make another shitty, like, Metallica comparison. Like, oh, this is giving Metallica. Like, no, that is so played out at this point, and I would not subject our lovely viewers to that. Or listeners? Listeners. (laughs) So I think that the word that I had settled on above all else was jangly, if that makes sense. Like, it had a progression and like a chord that would play every single song without fail. And that was great because I really appreciated the consistency throughout the entire album. But I was like, what is this? I've heard these guitar sounds before. So I think I would use the word jangly, kind of like the doo 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 do doo. It sounds very like gritty, it sounds very industrial, it's very much a 1996 album and I don't say that as like a negative I say that because I think it's really neat when you can listen to an album and it can take you back to a certain place like a certain time period and this album to me is very much 1996 I think if I had to compare them to a band if I must if somebody held a gun up to my head and was like what band does these guitars sound like that's not Metallica I would say It's given, like, Alice in Chains. Like, if you've listened to Wood or any song off of, like, that Facelift album, these guitars definitely give me that, but Wood specifically. If you listen to a song that's not related to anything that we're talking about today, go listen to Wood from Alice in Chains, because that guitar, and I feel like the guitar rhythm in this album are very much similar, or at least cousins, you know, at least they're directly related. I don't know if that makes sense, but jangly, I think jangly is the word that I stumbled upon when it came to these guitars.
0: So just for my own clarification, you're just talking about like the, I guess the fast pace of the guitars. Is that what you're talking about? Like how they sound in particular, like the, is it more like how they're structured or just how they sound?
1: oh, it's definitely just how they sound. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I know about chords and structure and theory. No, I just think on a bass level from someone who is a very casual fan now (laughs) of rock and metal at best, that is just how they sound to me. And that was really the only correlation that I could make at the time because it was driving me crazy let me tell you it was driving me absolutely bonkers but moving forward along the album I thought that Violate had a lot of like those thrashing drums that really gave me the vibe that it could have been maybe Edge's theme song Once Upon a Time because if you go listen to the song friends it's Violate by Iced Earth you can hear the, the like the douche 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 doosh da na na, na na na. Kinda like the moment when the fog comes up, when you know Metalingus is on and shit is on and he's here to fuck shit up. Yeah, definitely that. I think. Maybe in a past life, in a past alternate timeline, that this would have been a great alternative theme for him. And you know, that's my canon. That's officially the canon that I'm <laughs> going with today for this episode.
0: Yeah, he should have used that instead of Slayer that one time. Would have just been like an updated, more aggressive version of that song.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. If I remember correctly, before Metalingus, he had like that one Rob Zombie song for like a minute, right? Where it was like, never gonna stop me, never gonna stop me. I think that, yeah, yeah.
0: Which, for the record, Rob Zombie is a band I do not like that's the only song i like from rob zombie and it's probably just because i heard it 500 times fresh coming out
1: <laughs> let the record show drake not an avid eminem fan and drake also not an avid rob zombie fan moving along in the album though i did want to touch on some of my favorite lyrics from here uh the last laugh and scarred were both pretty cool i did like in the last laugh the call and answer portion of it the singer the Instrumentalist? who are they who are these gentlemen i'd love to know
0: he is matthew barlow who is no longer the vocalist for these guys um he's no longer vocalist for anybody to my knowledge because he's a police officer
1: does that have to do with the controversy that we're going to talk about at the end of the episode i don't know but we're going to figure it out uh that's really awesome though i thought that both of those things uh both the call and answer and the vocals With the lyrics that came from Scarred, I thought were really cool. Uh, I'll have to go and touch on some lyrics here, if I can just give it a quick Google. Because I'm not gonna lie, these are kind of metal as fuck lyrics. So, you know, the chorus is like, I brought this all upon myself, sold my soul to change my life. It's up to me and no one else. The beast in me can't control my life. Like, bars. (laughs) This man said it, and he meant it and i love that for him so yeah no further thoughts no notes
0: it's actually uh crazy that you bring up the lyrics specifically for this song because normally the guitarist who is basically the whole band uh john schaefer uh usually writes the lyrics but this one was actually done by matt barlow so that is very very interesting you bring that one up specifically and credit him <clears throat> and also i would like to say the call and response thing that you talked about is something they do very well if you want extra credit if you like that a lot there's a song on horror show which i think is the album right after this called the phantom opera ghost which is about you guessed it the fan op, phantom opera ghost <laughs> and they have a female vocalist in there and they have like conversation the whole song and it, it it might be my paradise their song ever
1: heck yeah we love lady power here I'll definitely have to check it out because I do enjoy that facet I've noticed in metal songs of just like a call and answer type melodic pattern. It really does it for me. like it a lot. And I think as well, just in the vocal delivery, it cannot be stated enough how much delivery is important because like these lyrics are great and there's no doubt about that, but also how they're said and how they are delivered and how you receive them as the listener, I think is super important. So the fact that, you know, Mr. Matthew here was able to deliver it with some conviction and make you really believe what he's saying, that's also something. Because of course, like, this is gonna sound however it sounds, but I just I don't think also that it's like the musician's job necessarily to like sell you on something. Like sure, you want things to be said with meaning And you want to believe that they believe it but at the end of the day too i feel like that's not necessarily the entire job of an artist to be like sell me on this i really want to know that you sold your soul to the devil here but there but there like no absolutely not i just appreciated the delivery and how theatric he was theatric is definitely the word that i was looking for here
0: it's actually funny you bring that up too because i i was just listening to this album again today before we got here and uh weirdly enough i actually made the connection between this guy and the leprous vocalist Einar solberg i was like i wonder if you made the connection too while you listened to it
1: oh my gosh no i didn't until you brought it up and honestly that makes so much sense because we love the gentlemen of leprous and i know i've spoken about them fondly in spades but now that you said it and now that i'm really putting it together I can definitely see a correlation there. And I think, honestly, it makes me love this album in particular that much more, that it has that connection, or at least that similarity, because I knew there was a reason. Also, going back to the jangly guitars, there was a reason why it sounded familiar to me, and why I enjoyed that facet of it so much. So yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Depending (laughs) on what this controversy you're about to unearth to us is, will he be invited to the cookout? as our friends at Leprous are, I'm gonna say not, based on the context clues here, but I think we've let the people, you know, stew in this and wait long enough, so if you're ready and you're <laughs> ready to rip off this band-aid, I guess, let's get into it. Let's talk about the nitty-gritty controversy that surrounds this band, and with bated breath, why we waited so long. What's the tea? What's the, the main event here, pal?
0: Yeah, so it has nothing to do with Matt Barlow. Matt Barlow was gone from this band for about a decade at this point. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just going to go into it, because there's no other way. Uh, the Capitol Riots on January 6th, 2021, happened. Uh, and the guitarist, who is basically Iced Earth, was a part of the Capitol Riots. And he is about to go to trial or he's in witness protection or one or the other somehow both because he's like an informant now he's ratted a few people out so there is basically no hope of them ever releasing any more music uh because of that fateful day (laughs) and yeah it was uh it was a very odd moment in time because i mean we were still in the throes of covid and that happened and Seeing it as a heavy metal article is weirdly a moment I don't think I'll ever forget. It's one of those weird moments in time where I just, it blew me away when I saw his face during the Capitol riots and there was like a warrant put out on him. He was under arrest and then he was pr- placed under Pro as an informant to the cops. So that is what happened to John Schaefer, who is basically Isterth.
1: Well then, that is a lot to unpack. That's a lot, too. I'm glad that you shared. Unfortunate as it is, just ripping off the Band-Aid. Yeah, because they did make great music. However, that, not great. Uh, Not great at all. And, like, politics aside, believe what you want to believe. But, like, to risk it all for a man who really ain't shit, who does not care about you, it's just mind-boggling to me. Weirdo behavior, cult behavior, stop it. I think... Get help.
0: This is really morbid. But the funniest thing for me is... (laughs) people were like can you believe he did this I was like yeah <laughs> I don't know if people have kept up with Ice Earth because you don't know anything about them besides this album but he has done albums called The Glorious Burden which is about like super patriotism and like talking about the Civil War he literally has a song the Star Spangled Banner but like a guitar version of it on a distorted guitar so he is a patriot he's very proud to be an American and like you know on the uh <sighs> what's the word I'm looking for? I want to say evangelical, but that's not right. Radical, radical radical side of it. Um, yeah. And when people said that, they were like, this is just so surprising. I'm like, no, it's not. If you had a, put me, asked me to put something on my bingo card for that year, that would have been one that I would have put <laughs> like, on Like If there.
1: anybody was going to be alt-right from this scene, God damn it. <laughs> it's this guy. Goodness. Well, you hate to see it. You hate to know it unfortunate
0: i will say as awful as this sounds too i still listen to ice earth to this day because the music is just so good i cannot listen to it for some reason they're just a really good band and i can i can just separate it i know it's not you can't physically separate it but he just wrote so many good albums and so many good songs in power metal thrash power metal i just i can't i can't help myself
1: like cool bro you like america that's great what else you got for your personality asking for a friend the friend is me well in any case thanks for sharing yeah. thanks for that riveting <laughs> insightful commentary the this album yeah. if you choose to listen to this album feel free friends yeah. it's a f- it's a hoot and holler it's a good 3 a.m listen when you're on the verge of death yeah. and highway shenanigans but yeah i think i think that's all yeah. all right cool <laughs>
0: All right, so now that I dropped that ridiculous bombshell at the end, we're going to move on to next week, Um, (laughs) which will be an album that reduces stress and anxiety. And uh, I thought of this one for a specific band because they were the first one that I'd ever felt this way about listening to, any band for that matter. Uh, They're called The Consortionist, and their album is called Language. It came out in 2015, I want to say. Uh, it's one of my favorite albums of all time and a lot of like rainy low energy days when I start work I'll pop that album on just to kind of like mellow me out I guess even me out uh, it's a it's a well, pretty awesome. deep album That's uh, in general so I'm very really excited, excited to hear, to hear, what you hear
1: think it. Of it And for me with this specific category, I know a couple of weeks ago we had went back and forth and being like uh... I have an album for this, but this is somebody we've already talked about like 60 million times, and I don't want to do that to the poor listeners, and you've already listened to this person pretty much at length, so that was tough for me, but I did take some time to reflect, to dwell on it, and for this category, I think we had actually talked about this in our draft episode, so you might be familiar with this gentleman, or at least the lead single off this album. I will be giving you the album called In the City, and it is by Kevin Rudolph. Yeah, it's a great album. It is one of the few albums that I bought with my own human money as a small child. This came out in 2008. And so at the height of Let It Rock, I think it spoke volumes to how good that song actually was because I bought this entire album just for that song. Like I didn't have an iPod or anything at that time. So back in my day, I had to buy whole albums just to listen to a single song because I didn't have internet, didn't have an iPod just had a a shitty dollar store CD player and a dream. (laughs) So definitely one of the albums that really I listened to in terms of like stress relief and finding familiarity because, you know, life was hard and it has a lot of fun tracks. There are some like deep introspective tracks on there as well, but mainly it's just a fun little rap slash rock adjacent little moment. And I think it's really worth noting, too. I'm going to save this for the preamble next week. But Kevin Rudolph was the first, like, quote-unquote, like, rock artist that was signed to Cash Money Records, which was Lil Wayne's label. So, fun facts. Yeah, yeah. So, a small world. Hope you enjoy it. And I think that's all. Anything else for the people?
0: No, I think I'm all good. This was a uh, this is a fun one to do.
1: Very productive. All things considered. <laughs> And we will talk to you next week, friends. Enjoy your days. Enjoy your lives. And bye-bye.